Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, a part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports, which shall we say a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 53, the wildest week 18 ever in the NFL. And it was really wild for sure. Coaches fired on Black Monday, Black Tuesday, Black Wednesday, um, and previewing the super wild card weekend coming up. All right. Email us at dsethepodcast at gmail.com, at dsepodcast on Twitter, dsethepodcast on Instagram. Rate and review us with five stars on Apple Podcasts to help other people find us. If you give us a five-star review, we will read it on the pod. And Spotify has ratings now, too, for podcasts. So give us five stars there, too. Uh, if you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars on Spotify. It's only fair. All right. With that out of the way, as always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman. And Tim is not alongside me tonight as he was recovering from COVID, or as they call it in the NBA, health and safety protocols. Please rest up and feel better, Tim. So I thought I would just um, drop a podcast on your feed. Is that what they call it? Um, just because there's a lot going on in uh, the NFL um, with Super Wildcard Weekend coming up. And week 18 just finishing up. So I just wanted to um, go through some scenarios and what happened and recap that. All right. So um, we could probably <laughs> take the full podcast or as however long I could talk uh, until I ran out of energy um, about the Wild Raiders Chargers game on Sunday night uh, to wrap up week 18. Um, but I'm going to try to keep it uh, try to keep it a little bit tight here. So um Let's let's fast forward a little bit and talk to that one, and then we'll reverse and talk about some of the other games that happened. But based on previous results, right, this game could be could have ended in a tie, and both teams would have made it to the playoffs, um, and Pittsburgh would have been out of the playoffs. So uh, it certainly didn't end in a tie, um, unless you've been under a rock. Spoiler alert: it did not end in a tie. Um, but the way that we got there was actually a little bit even more interesting than just ending in a simple tie. So let's fast forward to the final drive of the fourth quarter. The Chargers went 19 plays um, in, in just over two minutes uh, from from inside of their own 20-yard line. Uh, it felt like they were like one play away from the game being over like a million times on that drive. Justin Herbert just kept uh, driving them forward, getting completion after completion exactly when they needed it. Um, on the final play of the game, they threw a touchdown to get within one point and the PAT to tie it. Again, the Raiders played the the infamous don't guard the goal line defense. I don't know why they were backing up. They just kept backing up. Same same problem happened to, uh, I forget what his team earlier this year. But guard the goal line, right? That's where they're going to throw it. And they did not. They gave up the touchdown. And uh, Brandon Staley and the Chargers went for the uh, extra point to tie it, not going for two to try to win it in regulation. Again, right, the tie helps both of them. So um, no incentive to go for two there. So then on to overtime. So both teams traded field goals, the Raiders first, then the Chargers. Then the Raiders got it back. And at the two-minute warning of OT, so we've gone through the entire 10-minute overtime, well, entire eight minutes of the 10-minute overtime, um, Las Vegas was facing a first and 10 from the Chargers 45, right? So they're still outside of field goal range. Um, You know, obviously, if they had elapsed the two minutes with the with the uh, score tied both teams make the playoffs so um the Raiders w- ran one innocuous run play and was stuffed uh and then they ran a, a seven yard run and the Chargers continued to let the clock run um 
both teams let the clock run, really. Um, it looked like to the whole world, including myself, that both teams were happy with the tie. It was kind of like they were kind of milling around like, all right, you know, whatever. So it was heading into a third and four. Um, and it would have been at that point a 57-yard field goal. So a pretty long field goal. Not something that you want to just try, you know, with like a minute left. Just in case you miss, the other team had an opportunity to go the other way. So the Raiders lined up in shotgun and were more than um, at a hundred percent chance <laughs> to run the ball again. They just had run it from shotgun the play before. So the Chargers called a timeout. So something. It, it, I mean, if you look at it with a clear head and reading the Chargers quotes after the game, you can see that they wanted to call timeout not to stop the clock. Right? There's only five seconds left on the play clock. It was under forty seconds. So you're not saving any time. The Raiders can just run out the clock from there, no matter what under 40 seconds. So there's no time savings, but they wanted to get their best run defenders on the field. However, all of that being said, it felt like something changed, right? The prisoners in the prisoner dilemma of the tie game here changed their minds at the last or something happened here, right? So the prisoner's dilemma is a standard example of a game analyzed in game theory that shows why two completely rational individuals might not cooperate, even if it appears that it is in their best interest to do so, right? So both teams would make a playoff with a tie, but if one team pl plays for the tie, you can't be sure that the other would uh, also play for the tie and end up losing and being out because you played for the tie. So you have to play for the win, even though that's not in their best interest to play for the win, if that makes any sense. All of <laughs> prisoner dilemma aside, um, the Chargers get their quote unquote best run defenders on the field and the, and the Raiders go to an I formation run this time. Right. Um, and Josh Jacobs gashes them for 10 yards. Right. So that takes it from a 47 yard field goal to um, from a 57 to a 47 yard field goal. As we have seen time and time again, this season, the Chargers cannot stop the run even to save their season. Uh, and they didn't hear, right. Except against the Broncos week 17, when I needed them, uh, to give up a million yards to Williams and Gordon to win my fantasy football title. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not mad about that still. Not at all. Not mad. Um, so that gives the Raiders a 47-yard field goal opportunity. And then the Raiders called timeout because the clock was still running at this point. Chargers didn't stop it, right? Um, the Raiders call a timeout with a few seconds left and kick the field goal to win the game, send the Chargers packing. It was absolutely one of the games of the year, just from bonkersness, right? A lot of people were rooting for the tie. It felt like they were going for the tie. Like the tie was going to happen for like a couple minutes there. Um, there was that crazy drive at the end of the game. Uh, it, it was just, you know, considering the level of importance of the game and what happened in the game, it was like one of the games of the year. Great game. Uh, very much enjoyed it. Uh, it was definitely one that had to be experienced. Uh, live with a lot of people commenting on Twitter and live and just like trying to figure out what's happening. Most people were rooting for the tie just because it's a tie. You've never seen a tie and both teams go to the playoffs before. Um, it would have been a novel uh, experience, but um, it, it was worth it either way. So earlier in the day uh, is where the disappointed disappointment of the year happened. Um, probably the most disappointing outcome of the end of the season for any team. Um, and that's in, in, in Jacksonville, but it wasn't the Jaguars. Um, 14 point favorites, the Indianapolis Colts blew their season by losing and losing badly. It's not like they lost at a last second. It was a freak play. You know, the Jaguars returned a punt for a touchdown at the end of the game, something like that, right? They lost badly. 
to the to the Jacksonville Jaguars um, and lost by multiple scores. Right. So Wentz was terrible. His offensive line was terrible. They gave up six sacks and the Colts had two turnovers. The, the Colts in two weeks um, after losses to the Raiders and the Jaguars went from a team that no one wanted to play in the playoffs to a team that won't be playing anybody in the playoffs after two straight losses. Right. Um, they, they were coming on at the right time. I think a lot of people had them as dark horses to win the whole thing. They were coming together. They had a run game that they could win in cold climates. Um, but Wentz absolutely fell apart and the offensive line fell apart. Like their defense couldn't really stop Jacksonville. They make, they made Trevor Lawrence look the best, um, he did this year pretty much. So, um, a really, really disappointing and sad showing. I, I, it's hard for me to use the word choke, but that was a pretty bad choke job in the last two weeks of the year. Obviously they lost to the Raiders two weeks ago, which no shame in that they're going to the playoffs, but you know, you, your 14 point favorites against the Jaguars when the Jaguars are honestly playing for the number one overall pick and the Jaguars uh, win and still get the number one overall pick. Thanks to, um, you know, the uh, Detroit lions uh, also winning. So um, win, win, win for the Jaguars loss, loss for uh, Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, then in the four o'clock Eastern window, um, there was another bananas game somehow. What a crazy week. Um, so we saw the 49ers with a win, winning in scenario. Uh, they came back from 17 points down to beat the Rams in SoFi stadium in LA, um, with over probably 60% uh, of the fans in attendance rooting for the 49ers. You know, you really hate to see that, you know, maybe it really makes you wonder if this, uh, city of LA can even support an NFL franchise. Um, you know, they may need to poison the well there and move again. You know, if they're not going to get the support that they need uh, from the city, you know, they may have to get those moving trucks out and and uh, lose another lawsuit to another city. But, uh, you know, you know, let's let's leave that to uh, leave that to Stan Kroenke and his minions. All right. So anyway, to the football game on the field, uh, the 49ers were down 17 and nothing. Then they um, got the last possession of the first half. So they got down the field and kick a field goal before the end of the first half. And they were set to get the ball again at the beginning of the, first, uh, beginning of the second half. So they got the ball to start the second half and scored a touchdown. Then the Rams punted and the, and the Niners scored again to tie the game 70, 17 to 17. So just like that, they had erased um, their, uh, their deficit, right? Just took basically three possessions plus one possession for the Rams, just like that. Right. Um, both teams scored in the, in the fourth quarter touchdown. Then they, so they went to overtime, the 49ers kicked a field goal on the first possession, and then they intercepted Matthew Stafford to win the game. Stafford is, um, been struggling a bit, certainly going to have to step it up. If the Rams are going to reach the potential, they thought that they had when they paid up to get him from Detroit in the off season. Um, I saw a, a tweet, um, from some statistical analysis that analyzes, um, NFL seasons by quarterbacks and Matthew Stafford's most uh, similar score was Jared Goff 2018. So uh, looks like you just got uh, another Jared Goff Rams. So anywho, um, so that gives us uh, the wild card rounds. So what they're calling super wild card weekend. Um, so let's go ahead and preview that. And then I'll, I'll, I'll hit the, uh, the coach firings on the way out and we'll get more analysis next week with Tim on that. Um, all right. So over to the wildcard weekend. So it begins on Saturday at 4 30 PM Eastern. We have the, the aforementioned Las Vegas Raiders at the Cincinnati Bengals. This one is a line 
uh, Bengals minus five and a half in this one. Um, obviously, the Bengals came in uh, having rested most of their players last week with nothing to play for. Um, Joe Burrow is maybe or maybe not nursing a leg lower leg injury based on that last play uh, two weeks ago where they were going for the touchdown to win the game. And they, they had about seven or eight uh, cracks at it. So, um, but the Raiders come in obviously off that, that huge victory um, having played Sunday night and then playing the earliest game on, on Saturday, uh, give them a little bit of a rest disadvantage there. I would imagine um, Cincinnati Bengals rested up. I think, uh, I think the Bengals, this is probably one of the bigger, Bengals game since uh, the Andy Dalton era um, with the home playoff game. So I think that they get the home. I think that they get the um, the monkey off their back with a win over the uh, exhausted Raiders. Um, and then we go in the uh, 8.15 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. You have the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills, the rubber match between the Patriots and the Bills. Obviously, the first Patriots matchup, first Patriots-Bills matchup was a win game on Monday night which Mac Jones threw two times um, and uh, the Patriots won. And the next game was uh, in Foxborough where the Bills uh, won by a sizable margin. Uh, Josh Allen had uh, a couple of great plays um, on the ground, which apparently he couldn't do uh, in the previous windy game. I don't know. Not neither here nor there, but um, the Bills here are favored by three and a half over the Patriots. Um, I think um I'm always your weather guy. So um, this game, uh, Patriots at Bills, is going to be four degrees. Uh, not a lot of wind, uh, four miles an hour, but it is going to be cold. So it's going to be a cold game. I don't think we're going to have any snow. It looks clear, um, but uh, four degrees. So <laughs> um, probably miserable uh, being out there for the fans. Please, everyone, bring your hand and foot warmers. And make sure you stay warm watching the game. Um, but... I think the Bills get this one done again. I think the Bills are the better team um, when uh, when they are able to do a little bit more on offense when the wind is not, you know, howling. So um, the Patriots and Mac Jones, I think we've seen, they just lost to Miami, right? We've seen the limitations of their offense when they have to throw the ball um, to make up multiple scores. They can't do it quite yet. So um, this year doesn't appear to be the year for the Patriots, but the Bills, I think, are peaking at the right time. So Bills uh, 0-5 or 0-6 in one-score games this year. Um, so, you know, I think they are they are due to take a one-score game, and they will um, against New England this week. All right, then we jump over to Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles made the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1 p.m. Eastern, your standard Sunday window. The Buccaneers are favored by eight and a half. Um, the Eagles also rested a lot of their players in week 18 with nothing to play for. Uh, I don't know what to expect here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a good run-stopping unit, and the Eagles are at their best when they're running the ball. Uh, Jalen Hurts is at his best when he is getting help from his offensive line. He's getting help from his running game. He's getting help from his receivers getting open. Um, so I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this one was a close game or an absolute blowout by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Eagles, I still haven't, it's been 18 games. I still can't get a good read on them. Um, but I think, I think the Buccaneers are, are a safe, a safe win here. Do they cover? Maybe not. I think that's a Eagles get in um, under the eight and a half, but it, it 
Eagles could do honestly anything. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. They they are a true wild card to me. Um, but Tampa Bay being able to stop their their running game, I think, really um, hurts their offense. No pun intended. Um, all right. So going to the uh, 4:30 p.m. Eastern window on Sunday, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the most familiar matchup for us kids of the eighties um, where they met in like seven straight NFC championship games. Um, it was uh, Montana and young and Smith and Aikman um, and, um, and uh, the wide receiver that I'm totally blanking on his name. He's on TV all the time. Um, I'm sure you're screaming at your phone or computer right now. Try and tell me the name of that wide receiver that I can't remember. Um, so, uh, a rematch of that. So the Cowboys are favored by, uh, three and a half here. I like what I saw from the Cowboys coming back against the Rams. I think that they have a good running game and Garoppolo has given them enough in the past to get to the Super Bowl. I think they are healthier than they were last year, certainly, and probably maybe even happy, healthier than they were, um, against the, um, and they're in Super Bowl. And so give me the 49ers in this one. I think I'm going to take an upset here. Dallas Cowboys, something is not right. Uh, I don't like the Mike Mike McCarthy, anything that he does with them. Um, so let me, uh, let me take the 49ers to cover there. I think they might win too. Hey, how about that? All right. Um, next we have the Sunday night window we have the pittsburgh steelers at the kansas city chiefs so the chiefs are favored by 11 and a half points um the bookmakers in las vegas have this as as a you know multiple score blowout here um steelers squeaked into the playoffs ben roethlisberger in a um and I didn't cover this in the recap, but an incredibly gutty game against the Ravens. Um, very low scoring, very back and forth, very tight. They also went to overtime. They also won in overtime um, against the, the Ravens without Lamar Jackson and, and with a lot of players hurt in there on their defensive secondary. Ben Roethlisberger does not look capable of throwing the ball down the field. Um, even throwing the short passes, he's short. He's, he's He looks like he's ready to retire. <laughs> um, the body is, is finally giving up on him. Um, Big Ben is, is, uh, is, is coming apart at the seams a little bit. So I think the chiefs are going to win here. Are they going to cover the 11 and a half? I would not pick a big number like that. I don't think. Um, but the chiefs are not without their problems. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a heel injury. Um, and he just came off the COVID list as well. Uh, so he, is you know their number one and two weapon with Kelsey. Um, so w- if he's limited or he is less than 100%, I think Pittsburgh's um, top defense, I mean, not top defense, but they have top players on their defense. Um, they have TJ Watt and they have Minka Fitzpatrick right in the secondary. TJ Watt rushing the passer. They The Chiefs are down to their second right tackle. Um, the right tackle that got destroyed in the Super Bowl um, last year. So hopefully he's learned something in a year, um, but now he's got to go against TJ Watt. So that could um, maybe cause problems there. So we'll see on Sunday night, but I, I think the Chiefs advance there either way. All right. And so the first ever Super Wild Card um, Monday night football game, uh, the Cardinals 
at the Rams. Um, they are, um, the Rams are favored by three and a half. Uh, so this one is a little bit interesting. Being on Monday night, they will probably have the rest disadvantage. Well, they definitely will have the rest disadvantage against any team that they play um, next week, um, especially if they play on Saturday. I think that would, I hope, I hope that they don't make them play next Saturday. But um, either way, they have at least one day of rest disadvantage against whoever they play. Um, but they have, it, have to advance first here. Um, as much as I said bad things about the Rams, I think the Cardinals are struggling even that bit more. Um, Kyler Murray hasn't really looked right since midseason. Their their defense is good, but has struggled at times. So I think this one is a a tight, low scoring game. Um, but uh, I think the Rams ultimately triumph here. So we'll see how many of those I get right. But uh, I I think I'm definitely going after too many favorites here. Uh, there's going to be some surprises here and I just don't, other than San Francisco, I don't like any of them, but, uh, you know, that's the fun of wildcard weekend. You got to see what happens. So we're definitely going to see what's happening there. So, all right, that's enough, uh, preview. Let's, um, let's talk, uh, let's talk about the coach firings and then, um, and then I'm gonna get out of here. Um, all right. So I'm going to put these in like three categories. Um, the first category is big Fangio in Denver. Um, Matt Nagy in Chicago, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. These three coaches appear to be on the way out of the door last month uh, for the last month of the season. And I think it was not surprising, obviously, that they were let go. Um, all of these spots will be pretty attractive jobs, I think, for new coaches. Um, Minnesota has a competitive roster, uh, but you are saddled with Kirk Cousins for at least another year. Um, Chicago has Justin Fields and a possibly a good defense. There's some holes in that roster, um, but possibly a good defense. And Denver will have to sort out the um, quarterback position. Cough. <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers. Cough. Um, but they they seem like they have a good defense. They have a good running back room. They have good wide receivers that need to be utilized more than they were this year. So um, each of those teams are probably a good uh, in good position and no surprise that the coaches got fired. Um, next was in the next bucket is Joe judge. So this, this whole, this whole thing I'm scratching my head because it makes your brain hurt a little bit just to think about it. But uh, Joe judge wasn't like, Oh, on black Monday, but the giants GM did retire or he was asked to retire, forced to retire, something weird there. Um, so the Giants discovered that any GMs that they would want to interview didn't want to interview for the job since Joe Judge was already the coach, right? Um, they likely wanted to hire their own coach, um, and they likely didn't want – if they were stuck with a coach, they they didn't want to be stuck with Joe Judge. That's what it came down to. Um so I'm not sure how the Giants were surprised that that happened. But anyway, so at that point, the Giants say, all right, well, we can't hire any good GMs or any GMs, apparently, um, with Joe Judge here. So I guess we need to fire Joe Judge, even though we said that we weren't going to fire Joe Judge. Um, so they went ahead and fired him on Tuesday. Right result. Very bad process. Doesn't make me um, think that the um, the Giants are going to do better with what they're coming up with next. Um, 
so on to another bad process, which is Houston. Uh, David Culley was fired on Wednesday by the Texans after a four and 13 season. Um, seemed like an achievement when you look at how devoid of talent that roster is. He had the team playing hard from the first game, a surprise went over Jacksonville. I guess it's not a surprise looking back, but at that point it was a little bit of a surprise um, to the final game of the season where they, they gave first overall in the AFC, the Titans a run for their money and almost kept them from the number one seed. Um, I don't, it's a questionable decision. I think from the general manager who basically said, I didn't get it. We didn't have the same vision, you know, kind of blah, blah, blah. Um, so that GM obviously has the worst, the worst roster in the league. So he's not covering himself in glory uh, there either. So obviously that GM's way over his head um, probably shouldn't have been hired in the first place. We've talked about that before. Um, you know, obviously David Cully was not a Super Bowl coach. He didn't like turn garbage into gold there. Um, but to fire him after one season, he had the worst roster in the league and his team was playing hard um, is not a good decision and doesn't reflect well on the Houston uh, franchise. Somebody's going to take that job. Uh, I, I don't know who would. I mean, there's only 30 or so of these jobs, so somebody's going to take it. But again, um, David Culley had them playing hard. What, what else can you do, really? All right, so next is the surprise bucket. We knew there was going to be a surprise. There was a surprise. The firing is Brian Flores from Miami. Um, Brian Flores was let go from the Miami Dolphins on Monday. Um, they didn't wait very long at all. Um it was another coach who had his team playing hard towards the end of the season. After a seven-game losing streak, they ended the season on a seven-to-one, seven-win, one-loss run. But what it seemed like from the reports is that uh, Flores never really got along with his GM, um, the GM who's been there twenty years, so close with the uh, owner, uh, Stephen Ross. There, um, he may have been in the Tua draft, advocating for Justin Herbert over Tua. Uh, Tua was famously picked fifth, then Herbert sixth. Um, and he was likely the source or the person in the organization that was pushing for Deshaun Watson, um, pushing for that move. Um, neither of those things happened, obviously. Um, and hindsight being 2020, Justin Herbert looks like a much better pick than Tua, but at that time it certainly was not. So, um, not, not certainly a slam dunk, um, at that point. So neither of those things happened, right? Flores seemed like a guy who maybe took the George Costanza route. Um, and went ahead and tried to get himself fired. He stopped talking to his coaches. He didn't talk to his GM that he wasn't really getting along with in the first place. Um, but the funny thing is somehow his team just kept, <laughs> kept winning. Um, in the end, uh, communicating with your boss and your employees is a job requirement. So he was let go. Um, he's seemingly a good coach as long as he doesn't kind of you know, uh, pull the George Costanza. I think he's going to likely end up with one of these other jobs, uh, open jobs here in, um, within a few weeks. And then that team's going to get a good coach and hopefully he, they have a better rapport with, um, with the GM so that he doesn't kind of pull that move again. So all that being said, that is way too much of me talking. Um, we're, we're up near the 30 minute mark. So, um, we recapped week 18. We, uh, looked ahead to wild super wild card weekend, give you something to preview those with. And we talked about the firings um, that, that happened this week. Certainly some teams may move quickly and may have something by next week, but we should see something in the next few weeks on each of those spots. And we will talk about that when that happens. All right. <clears throat> Before my voice completely goes out, um, I, I, it's time for the outro.
And so it's pretty clear this is an NFL focus pod this week. So um, we previewed it, but make sure to keep your eyes glued to the Super Wild Card Weekend and keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. And we will talk to you next week. All right. Well, <clears throat> here's where I do my, my own talk over the outro here. <clears throat> Woo. That was a lot of talking. I, I need like a musical interlude in the middle so I can like, take a sip of water or something. All right.